Welcome to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Magic Valley Bible Church has been serving the Magic Valley for 20 years and is located at the corner of Gooding and Main Street in downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. Our service starts at 9 a.m. and is streamed live on our YouTube channel. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible. Magic Valley Bible Church, built on God's Word. Today I'm grateful for the opportunity to open God's Word. Um, I apologize if sometime during the sermon I preach in Thai. I'll try my best not to. Uh, but if I do, my, my wife and my children will raise their hands and say, hey, we understand, but others people don't. Um, I will be speaking in tongues if I do that, uh, but we'll, we, we promise we'll offer a translation too. So, uh, But I will do my best to keep in English as much as possible. The passage we're going to look at this morning is in Psalm 115. And I ask you to turn there as we prepare to, to read it and prepare to look to it. The title for the sermon I, I, I chose, it's, it's an easy title. It just talks about worshiping the one who is worthy. Worshiping the one who is worthy. And as I was thinking about a passage to preach on, um, every time I come back to the States, you know, we get the opportunity to preach at many different churches. And so I always try to figure out what they're going through so either I can jump into what they're preaching through um, or if there's uh, something that they would like me to preach on, then I can preach on that. But usually the case is the pastor says, preach whatever you want to preach, uh, which for those who do preaching know that that's like the hardest task ever. Um, and so as I was praying about and trying to figure out what would be a message that would be a blessing to all the churches we visit, um, and this was a passage that came uh, to my mind because it's a passage we use a lot in our biblical counseling training, um, and it's also kind of the focus of why we do what we do. And so um, I'm going to be preaching from Psalm 115 today. Um, as I read God's word this morning, I ask you to stand up, please, and honor God's word. Um, I'll be reading from the New American Standard. I usually don't like to read from my phone, but my Bible, which is Thai and English, has English Standard Version, uh, but I prefer the NASB, so I'm going to read it from my phone today. So let's read God's Word. And after I'm done reading, please remain standing as I pray and commit our time to the Lord. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Why should the nation say, where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths but cannot speak. They have eyes but cannot see. They have ears but they cannot hear. They have noses but they cannot smell. They have hands but they cannot feel. They have feet but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, the small together with the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children, May you be blessed of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor, nor do any who go down into silence. But as for us, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forever. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you now humbly looking to your word reflecting on your greatness. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is worthy of our praise. We thank you that you are a God who is gracious and loving kindness and truth that guides our hearts and guides our lives. 
Father, we thank you that we can trust in you and we can wait upon you. Father, I just commit this time to you today that as we look to your word, as we listen to it, and as we learn from it, Father, I pray that you'll be gracious, that you'll be gracious to me as I I speak, that I'll be faithful to your truth, faithful to your teaching. I pray that you'll be gracious to those who are listening, that they will be intent to listen, and that we will all be humble and be willing to learn and to live out what we learned today. Thank you for this time. We pray that the preaching of your word will be both glorifying to you and be edifying to your body. And we ask that you will just be glorified today. In your son's precious name, amen. This passage of scripture we're going to look at today is a passage which, like I said earlier, is a passage I often use during the biblical counseling training I do. Um, One of the things is I want to help the people that I'm training, the pastors and the the missionaries and the church leaders, to help them see that we do counseling, we do preaching, we do ministry, we do work. Whatever we do, we do it for God's glory because God is worthy. Oftentimes people say, hey, I want to learn about counseling because I want to help this person. And that's, that's good. We want to help people who are hurting. We want to help people who have hardships in their lives. But we aren't doing it for our worth because that's usually the temptation that begins to creep up is, man, I'm a great counselor. I'm a great minister. I'm a great teacher of God's word. And, and we begin to be prideful and boastful in what we can do because we hear the praises of other people. And so I usually start with this passage to, to try to help draw the picture and say, hey, what we do, everything we do, We do it for God's glory because God truly is worthy. And so this passage is is a passage I look to often, uh, not just in my teaching, but also just to continue to keep myself focused on why we do what we do. This passage, Psalm 115, is a part of six psalms uh, from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. They were usually songs of remembrance of God's deliverance of the children of Israel from the slavery of Egypt. And they were sung during the Passover, during the Pentecost, and during the Tabernacles festivals. They were sung by the people in reflection of how great God is and how gracious God is. Psalms 113 and 114 were usually sung before the Passover meal. And then Psalms 115 through 118 were sung afterwards as they reflected on God delivering them from bondage. Some will even say that it could be possible that Psalm 118 was the hymn that Jesus sang with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. We know that passage, it says, and Jesus sang sang hymns with his disciples. And so this is a a series of psalms, but we're going to focus on Psalm 115 because it focuses on, (coughs) first of all, the worth of God. And it compares it to the contrast of the worthlessness of idols. It also shows that those who wait upon the Lord will be blessed. And the natural outcome of being blessed by waiting on the Lord, people will worship the Lord for who he is. And he will receive glory and honor that is due his name. So today, we'll briefly look at three or four points uh, in your notes. There should be a a handout. Uh, Four points of this magnificent song of praise. Um, they all start with the letter W. Uh, don't write them in right now because I want you to pay attention. Uh, but I will just give a brief update. One is the worthiness of God. Uh, the second is the worthlessness of idols, uh, a tongue twister there. Um, God is worthy, but idols are worthless, right? And then waiting upon the Lord, and then finally worshiping the Lord. So let's start with the first W. Worthy is the first point we want to read about. And as we're talking about the one who is worthy of worship, verses 1 through 3 clearly describe who that is. It says, uh, let me read that again for you. It says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Why should the nation say, where is your God? But our God is in heaven, in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. So we see it begins talking about the worthiness of God because of, first, his loving kindness. 
In the ESV, they use steadfast love. Um, loving kindness, I, I, I like the sound of that. Steadfast love, I like the sound of that. And they both kind of have that wonderful description of, I like to describe it as God's goodness and God's grace. His loving kindness, his steadfast love, his goodness and his grace that he gives to his creation. We see that that term loving kindness appears over 125 times in the book of Psalms. The past two years I've been working through Psalms and just every time I come across that term, loving kindness or steadfast love, writing it down, counting it up, reflecting on it, that these are songs that are sung, worshiping God because of who he is and what he's done to his people. God is worthy to receive glory because of his loving kindness, but he's also worthy to receive glory because of his truth. The one nice thing about living overseas is we don't have media. Well, actually, we do have media. <laughs> uh, we don't have Western media. Uh, the reality is, is in Thailand, the media is the same. It's all over the world. And I know the big catchphrase the past two years is what? Fake news. Fake news. What's true? What's false? What's fake? What's real? Right? And, and all around us, we are surrounded by lies. And the reality is, is the thing that we need the most is truth, and everybody is denying the truth or rejecting the truth or making their own truth. But God is not like that. God is a God of truth. If you think about Satan and God, on this end you have God that is true. Everything he says, everything he does, everything about God is true. And on the opposite is Satan. Everything he does, everything he says is false. He's the father of lies. And he wants to lie. He wants to deceive. He wants to distract. He wants to draw people away from the truth. In Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, or will he not make it good? Psalm 119, 160 says, The sum of your word is truth. For biblical counseling, this gives me great confidence. Everything that is in God's word is true. I might not like it. I might not understand it. I might not want to submit to it, but that doesn't change the reality that it is true. And I am confident when I give counsel from God's word, the counsel I'm giving is truth. The sum of God's, your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. That's another important thing. It's everlasting. God's word doesn't change with the times, right? I don't want to get too political, but... In the beginning, God created man and woman, right? That's the same today as it was back then. It doesn't change. Truth is truth. And then this is a verse we often use in our biblical counseling training is John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. People are looking for the truth. God's word is truth because God is true. We also see that God is worthy because he is in the heaven doing as he pleases. God is in the heavens. He's on his throne. Our church just finished going through the book of Revelation and just the reflection of God in his majesty, God in his power, on his throne, ruling the world. It gives comfort, right? The world around us is going crazy. But God is on his throne ruling and reigning. And he's doing all that he pleases. Nobody can change the plans of God. Nobody can prevent God from doing what he has ordained to happen. Now this could be scary, right? This could be scary if God was not a holy God. That is one of the biggest definitions or differences between the God we worship and the gods of the idols that men and other religions worship. Our God is a gracious God. Our God is a holy God. Our God is a loving God. Everything that God is, God's all-powerful, God's all-knowing, God's all-present is beautiful because why? God is holy. 
A God who is not holy, but is all-powerful, that's a scary God, right? A God that is all-knowing, that's not holy, that's scary. But our God is a holy God. And so we can rejoice that He is all-powerful, that He is always present, that He is all-knowing, that He is just. And so we rejoice in that, and this, this psalm draws us to focus on that. God is worthy because He is in the heavens doing what He has ordained. Psalm 145, 17 says, The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His deeds. Let me read that again to you. Just meditate on that. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. That should give us great comfort. That should give us great hope. We see the worthiness of God in contrast to the worthlessness of idols. And so we see in in verse 4, it begins to describe the idols and their worthlessness. It says, their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak, eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear, noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel, feet, but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in him. So the second point that we want to look at today is the worthlessness of idols. The worthlessness of idols. We have the the worthiness of God, and now it's being contrasted to the worthlessness of idols. Now, in Thailand, we have idols everywhere. Every house has an idol house. Every village or every neighborhood has a temple that's filled with idols. Even in our city, we have a big idol. It's like 16 stories tall, a big white idol that you can see from miles outside the city as you drive in. There's idols everywhere. There's gold idols. There's blue idols. There's white idols. There's idols everywhere. You even see sometimes the car driving down the road with an idol in the back of it, which is always kind of funny, right? And people are worshiping these idols. In the center of our city, there's a, a statue of the king of Chiang Rai, not the king of Thailand, the king of Chiang Rai, because Thailand back in the days was a small kingdom divided up by different countries. So you had the Khmer kingdom, you had the Laotian kingdom, you had the Burmese kingdom. And so the king of Thailand, or the king of Chiang Rai, there's an idol for him. And people will stop at that, that intersection that has four stop sign, or four stoplights, and people will stop there and they will pray to it. And people will go and they'll burn incense and pray to this idol of this king, this, picture, this gold image of this king. And I think, what can he do? What can he do? Now, it says here, when I talk about the worthlessness of idols, I'm not talking about value. Because it says in verse 4, they're made of silver and gold. These, value, these idols are expensive. They cost money to make. People invest a lot of money to make these idols. And before we begin to judge or or laugh at the Thai people for worshiping uh, a golden image that can't do anything, stop right now and think about when you're watching your favorite football team get ready to kick the last-minute field goal to win the Super Bowl. What are you doing? Are you on your knees before the TV praying that it goes through? Or maybe you're the team against it saying, Please don't go through. And if you think that we don't worship idols, go buy a football jersey of your favorite team. $100 for a shirt. I'm not criticizing you because I, I, in the same way, idols are not just objects of gold or silver that people put in the middle of a city or on their prayer place in their house in Thailand. Idols are desires and and wants in our lives that we worship and seek after more than God. Things that we trust in more than God. The idols of our heart can be anything that we trust in or we worship more than God. And they can even be good gifts given by God. But they can be things that draw us away from God. I know people who are 
avid runners, right? They love running. And that's a good thing. They want to be fit. They want to be healthy. But if there's a marathon on Sunday morning and they can't make it to church, what are they going to choose? Run in the marathon on Sunday morning or go to church on Sunday morning? Right? We can tell what becomes idols by what we trust in, what we sacrifice to, what we desire more than God. And oftentimes that desire, those idols, are very costly. They're expensive. We were just in the valley, and, and I, I love mountain biking in Thailand, but, man, in, in, in the Wood River Valley, it's just like idols everywhere. There's all these nice, cool trucks with these cool bike racks and these cool mountain bikes on the back. And it's just, and these cool trails and beautiful weather. And I'm thinking, man, maybe we should move back to this, the valley because <laughs> I could mountain bike all the time. And it's not wrong to want to mountain bike and enjoy nature, right? But if I choose to worship that rather than worship God, then it becomes an idol. If I choose to desire that more than God, it becomes an idol. And Calvin said, the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. Brothers and sisters, we are creating idols all the time. And the moment we get one cut down, another one rises up. And so it's a constant struggle to say, I want to focus on God and his worthiness, and I don't want to focus on the worthlessness of these idols. And that's why this passage is great, because it helps us to remember that. These idols are worthless. They have hands, but they can't help us. They have feet, but they can't walk. And the reality is, is that verse 8 says, those who make them become like them, and so do those who trusted them. If we worship idols and trust in these idols, we won't find happiness. We won't find joy. We won't find a fulfilled life because they will never satisfy. They will never satisfy. Your team wins the Super Bowl this year. Are you content? Are you content? Your kid gets into this college. Are you content? You get this new job that pays more than your last job. Are you content? You buy this new car. Are you content? It's very easy to get trapped in that idol worship. And if we continue to trust in them, we'll become like them. We'll become people who can't do what God has called us to do. In Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10, it talks about the man who trusts in the Lord versus the man who trusts in, in himself or the strength of man. In verse 5, it says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places in the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Driving up from the valley to, to here, you know, you go through the, the desert, the sagebrushes, right? What a great picture of that. If you're out in the middle of the desert and it's 100 degrees and you have no water and all you want is some shade and some coolness, are you going to go sit underneath a sagebrush? Can it help you? No. It's just a bush in the desert. And yeah, after the rain, it smells nice. But we all know what it looks like when it gets dry and breaks off and the wind blows and it just becomes tumbleweeds going across the road, right? That's what it's like for the man who trusts in himself or trusts in other things. It draws our hearts away from God and it focuses on things that cannot deliver. Ezekiel 14 talks about, and you can look at this up, 14, 1 through 5, it talks about the, the leaders of Israel who are angry at God because he's not answering their prayer. And he's saying, how can I answer your prayer when you have all these idols? God says, then some elders of Israel came to me and sat down before me. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. 
Their problem is not the other person. Their problem is the idols they're worshiping. God says, should I be consulted by them at all? Therefore, speak to them and tell them, thus says the Lord, any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity. And then come to the prophet. I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols. In order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are estranged from me through all their idols. These men are complaining that life is hard. Things are not going the way they want it to. And God's saying, it's because you have these idols. You're not looking after me. You aren't turning to me. You aren't trusting in me. You're trusting in these idols. And so they're drawing you away from God. Your life is hard because you're trusting in things that cannot deliver. When we trust in idols, we must be reminded that they are worthless to deliver. The first point was the worthiness of God. And now we see the second point, the worthlessness of idols. But we see the third point, that waiting upon the Lord is what we are to do. The only way to continue to resist the idols of this world and the idols of our heart is to wait upon the Lord and to focus on him. In verses 9 through 15, it instructs us to wait on the Lord by trusting in his provision and protection. So the third point there, waiting on the Lord, requires trusting in him for our help and as his shield. God is the one who will aid those in trouble. God is the one who will protect from attacks those who trust him. Remember, this is a psalm reflecting upon the deliverance of God, deliverance of the children of Israel from God, that he brought them out of slavery. He brought them out of Egypt. He delivered them from slavery to freedom. Not because they were powerful, not because they were holy, not because they were seeking God, but because God's loving kindness and God's truth. He brought them out. God is the one who will aid those in trouble. Psalm 18, 1 through 6. Let me read that for you quickly. If ever you're kind of struggling in life and trying to figure out what to do, Psalm 18 is a great passage to go to. And just to read it and then to do some heart searching and say, wait a minute, is my prayer, is my desire the same as David's here? Verse 1 says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Do you hear that? David is saying, I love you, Lord. And we know he loves him because why? He he views God as his strength. He's not trusting in himself. He views God as his rock. He views God as his fortress, his deliverer. God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Again, the military picture of David viewing God as the stronghold. When when the enemies are attacking and the enemies are advancing and you can't resist them anymore, where do you go? You don't stay on the front lines. You run back to the stronghold. You bar the gates. And the enemy can't come in because the stronghold is secure. And David's saying, I... I need God. I need to go to the stronghold. Brothers and sisters, when we are in trouble, when we are anxious about what's going on in the world, when we're worried about financial difficulties, when we have problems with people that we want to help, but they don't want to help themselves, turn to God. Look to him. He's our stronghold. Wait upon the Lord. And it says there in in Psalm 115 that waiting on the Lord results in blessings. So here's where Pastor Bear is about ready to get up and take me off the stage because he's saying, okay, is he going to start preaching the false gospel of prosperity? 
Don't worry, brother. This is not the promise of financial and physical blessings which are preached by the prosperity gospels. Those are idols that are preached, and they use that to propagate their religion. One of the biggest challenges in Thailand is not that we don't have churches. That is a challenge, but we don't have healthy churches because the prosperity gospel has come in like a flood. People used to be Buddhist. People used to worship Buddha. People used to worship the idols of gold. Now they are materialists. They worship the idols of wealth and health and prosperity. And these peddlers of this false gospel have come in and said, accept Christ, believe in Christ, trust in Christ, give to Christ, and you will be blessed. You'll be healthy. You'll be wealthy. You will have everything you want. And the Thai people are sucking it down like a milkshake. They love it. And those churches are growing rapidly. But they're trusting in an idol that cannot deliver. This is not talking about that. The promises of blessing that he is talking about here is the promises we see in like Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. If we don't understand what that's talking about, look to Romans 4, 6 to 9. Just as David also speaks of the blessings on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from the works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. Amen and amen, right? That's a blessing. All of our lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Think about that. I often ask people when I'm counseling them, what sins did Christ die for on the cross? What sins did God forgive? Just the ones you've confessed? Just the sins that you committed before you became a believer? No, Christ died for all your sins. God forgives all your sins, even the ones you haven't confessed. Because brothers and sisters, we have lots of sins that we haven't confessed. If we, if we confessed all of our sins, we would never do anything other than confess sins. <laughs> and even then, we would miss sins. But it's saying, blessed is a man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Is this blessing then on the circumcised only or on the circumcised also? For we say, faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. Galatians 2, 6-9, Even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Remember, waiting on the Lord. Therefore, be sure that those who are of the faith, who are the sons of Abraham, the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that's us, by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of the faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. And then Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. <clears throat> blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, us. Remember Paul's writing to Gentiles. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us. Remember, we talked about loving kindness. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. The blessings that we receive from trusting in the Lord, on waiting on the Lord, is the blessings of not just salvation, but also the sanctifying work of Christ in our lives. 
He makes us more and more like Christ every day. Oftentimes when I'm helping somebody look at what God's plan is for their life, I help them see, what is God's goal for you? What is his desire for you? Why did he give us his word? Why did he give us his spirit? Why did he give us his body? Why did God save you and leave you here on this earth? What's God's goal for your life? Brothers and sisters, it's simple. He wants to make you more and more like Christ every day. And that only comes by waiting on God and trusting in God and allowing God to make you like Christ, both through good times and hard times. And so those who wait on the Lord will receive the blessings he gives. And then, leading to our fourth point and final point, their response will always, will always lead to worship as they praise the Lord God who is worthy. Worshiping the Lord is the fourth point. We have the worth, or the worthiness of God versus the worthlessness of idols. We have waiting upon the Lord. And what results then is what? Worshiping the Lord. Worship is the only correct response to the wonderful gifts of God's goodness and grace. One of the biggest challenges we face in Thailand is this. What is worship? If I was to ask you, what is worship? Many people would say, oh, I go to church and worship God every Sunday. I go and sing this song. This church has the greatest praise and worship in the whole city. I worship God for an hour every Sunday morning. There's actually a missionary. He claimed to be a missionary. But he said the actual church happens in this time. From the singing of the praise and worship, stop, to the fellowship of the body. I said, where's the preaching of God's word? Where's the listening to the the message that God has instructed us to, to, to hear and obey? He says, that's not important. What's important is the singing of praise and the loving the body. That's not possible. You cannot worship someone who you don't know. And that's why a lot of these churches that have these cool light shows, I asked Pastor Barry, you could turn down the lights. Uh, These cool light shows and these hour-long praise and worship times, their songs are so fluffy because they don't know who they're worshiping. They don't know who God is. They don't know what God has done. They don't know about God's loving kindness and truth. And so their singing is just no different than the songs that the world sings, the love songs of the radio, because they don't know a God. They're trusting in idols. And so as we reflect on God's loving kindness, as we reflect on God's truth, as we reflect on the worthlessness of idols, as we reflect on waiting on the Lord and how he blesses us and protects us and provides for us, then we're naturally going to do what? We're going to worship him. We're going to worship him not just on Sunday morning. We're going to worship him on Monday morning, on Tuesday night, on Wednesday afternoon. We're going to worship him at school. We're going to worship him at work. We're going to worship him in the home. We're going to worship him in sad times, in hard times, in good times, in glad times. We're going to worship him all the time because we know he is worthy of it. Man was created to worship God. And he does that by waiting on him and serving him through obedience and honor. But the problem is, is that Satan is a liar. Satan is a deceiver. And he's done what? He helped man focus on other things besides God. Man has created idols and he worships them instead of God. He trusts in other things to help him than God. And the result is what? Disobedience and dishonor to God. We see that all around us. The biggest idol right now, and it's always been this, don't don't be surprised by this, is self. That is the ultimate idol we all worship. And we're seeing it played out vividly in the society around us. I want to be a dog, I could be a dog. Right? Who are you to say different? My truth is my truth. 
That's, that goes back to Genesis 3. Did God really say that? He knows that if you eat this, you'll become like him. You could become a god. And Eve saw the fruit and saw that it was desirable for making her wise, and she ate it and gave it to her husband who was with her. She wanted to be God. Adam wanted to be God. They ate the lies of Satan. But man can return to worship the true God. And this is so important. Man can return to worship the true God, but only through the compassionate work of God as he conveys his loving kindness and truth through his works. If you want to jump over to Ephesians, just open your Bibles quickly to Ephesians chapter 2. We're almost done, but I think this is a very important point. Because when we talk about God's loving kindness, when we think about God's truth, the reality is, is that apart from God's loving kindness, apart from God's goodness and grace, none of us would worship him. We would all be lost in our sins, worshiping ourselves. And we see this in Ephesians 2, starting in verses 1 through 4. It says, and we were dead in the trespasses and sins. I oftentimes ask people, as I look through this, what can dead people do? Nothing, except stink. So if you come to me complaining about your child is acting like this and doing this stinky behavior, I say, well, are they a believer? No. That's how they're going to live. They're going to stink. And the reality is, before Christ, that's all we did was just stink. Our lives were rotten and stinky and worthless. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world. Before you condemn other people who are living a life that it seems crazy to you, you once walked that world. You once walked like that. Following the prince, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience. Among whom, again, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's who we were before Christ. And if you are not yet a believer in Christ, yet are not yet a child of God, that's who you are. If you understand, why is my life so messed up? Why do I keep doing these stupid things? It's because that's your nature. But there's hope. The loving kindness and truth of God is this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when the children of Israel were in slavery and sin, or slavery in Egypt, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that, in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Remember, we're here to worship God, to proclaim his glory in kindness towards us in Christ. As he's kind to us, we respond in worship to him and glorifying to him, and he is glorified even more. And then the famous verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. Remember, it's the loving kindness and truth of God. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. To you, O Lord, not to us, be glory. And then verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We can worship God because he prepared us to worship him before he even created the world. He knew he would save us. He knew he would redeem us. He knew he would be sanctifying us so that our lives would be lives of worship to him, lives that proclaim his glory. Man can return and worship God only by God's loving kindness and truth. Worship begins and ends always with the worthiness of God. 
And as you reflect on the worthiness of God, as you reflect on the grace of God, as you reflect on the truth of God, the only natural response is worship. And worship is what? Doing all things for his glory and by his grace. In conclusion, as we reflect on this psalm this morning, I trust, I pray, that you will remember the worthiness of God. Remember that God is a great God. And that you remember and reject the worthlessness of idols. They cannot deliver. When we trust in idols to provide and protect us, then we will be, we will only find hurt and hopelessness. When you're hot, thirsty, and hungry, and you go sit under a sagebrush tree, you're not going to find comfort. It's just going to be hotter and dustier. But when we trust and wait on the Lord to provide and protect us, then we will find help and hope because of his loving kindness and truth. That passage in Jeremiah compares the man who trusts in self versus the man who trusts in the Lord. It says, the man who trusts in the Lord will be like a tree planted by waters, that it will produce fruit all the time, and it will not fear when the drought comes. I, I hear a lot of people talk about the fear of the political shifting that's coming, the, the fear of wicked people in leadership. And there is fear. I mean, America has been blessed. It has been a free country. It has been a country where Christianity has been comfortable. But brothers and sisters, if you look in the Bible, that's not the norm. The norm is persecution. The norm is death. The norm is isolation and, and accusations. Jesus himself said, if they hate me and they kill me, they're going to do the same to you. But God says, if you trust in me, if you wait on me, if you trust in the Lord, even during the hard times, even during the heat of life around us, we will continue to bear fruits for his glory. And those fruits are what? Love. Joy, peace. Brothers and sisters, you can have peace even in the midst of the upcoming elections next month. Because God is in his throne, ruling and reigning and doing all that he desires. And so, when we remember and reflect upon the goodness of God and his grace, we must respond in worship of the only one who is worthy. That's our only response. And so I want to leave you with the responses that you should look at today. All of our desires and deeds will be for his glory as we live by grace. That should be our goal. And so right now, you need to do a heart check, and you need to say, one, am I doing that? Have I been trusting in worthless idols? Have I been looking to worthless idols, or have I been trusting in the Lord? Am I doing everything for God's glory, or am I doing everything for my gain? In Thai, they have this term. It says, Pulap Chai. Pulap Chai is, is a person who is serving. And they use that term for pastors, for missionaries, for people who work in ministries. They've been, been Pulap Chai. They, they're there to serve. Lap Chai is like used, being used. right? It's a, it's a good description of the servant of God. The servant of God is there to be used by God and used by the people. Pastor Bear is here. Pastor Nate is here, what? To equip the body for the work of the ministry. You're to use them. Not unjustly or harshly, but use them to help you grow. Use them to help you flourish. Use them to help you serve God. So that's a, that's a normal term, but a lot of times people refer to now as pulapjan. Pulapjan is somebody who works for pay. Lapjan is they go get a job to earn money. And the, a lot of pastors are beginning to realize they used to be that. They weren't pulapchai. They weren't there to serve. They were there to get rich. Pulapjan. So we need to understand that if we are seeking idols, if we are desiring things other than God, we need to confess it. We need to forsake those idols. And then second, we need to call out to God and wait upon him. Ask him to change us and to grow us by his loving kindness and his truth. And then help us to live 
for his glory. And then most importantly, brothers and sisters, let us continue to worship. Let us continue to worship the only one, the one and only who is worthy of worship, and that is our God. Romans 11, 33 through 36. I'll read this in closing and then I'll pray. It says this. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given the gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you now. And we just rejoice in the sufficiency of your word. We thank you that your word is truth. And Father, we just want to take this time to reflect on your worthiness, that you are a God of loving kindness. You are a God of truth. And it is only by your goodness and grace that we are able to forsake and repent of the idols that we have worshipped and are worshipping. We know that the worthlessness of idols is no comparison to your greatness, Father. And we pray that you will help us to trust in you, both in good times and hard times that we will look to you and live for you, Father, as you lead us in the world that we are in. And Father, ultimately, let us live our lives in worship of you, not just on Sunday morning, not just Sunday school, not just in midweek Bible studies, but Father, let us worship you in all that we think, say, and do in everywhere we go and with whomever we're with. Father, we ask this by your grace. And we ask this for your glory alone. In your son's precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or youtube at youtube.com slash mvbible